This is Pitch Like the Podcast, part of PitchBlackNews.com. My name is Kyle Mankey. His name is Aaron Marvel. I'm so excited to be able to say that again and not have to immediately correct myself because Aaron is back. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Hello, podcasters. What is going on? Long time no see, man. So anyone who's joined us for the first time in the last couple weeks, um, normally this is not a one-man show. Normally, uh, Aaron is the co-host. Um, so we're I'm excited to be back at, at full strength. How are you doing, man? How's oh man? How's things? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, it's awesome to be back. Um, I'm really excited and. Uh, Man, just shout out to all the listeners, man. I got so many messages in the last couple of days when the word started to get out that I was coming back. Um, uh, just real humbling, man. Like uh, you guys were real excited to to get back to normal on this show. So uh, I assume that's a great thing, and uh, I appreciate it. They did not go unnoticed. So uh, yeah, I'm ready to do this thing, man. Well, yeah, we we definitely missed you, the listeners and I. So. Um, really excited to be back to normal. I don't know how many episodes you um, happened to listen to while you were gone, but I think just about every one I started out. Um, my name is Kyle Mankey, and I'm alone. So, <laughs> you know, I, I did catch the show while I was away, and uh, you know, I was feeling for you, man. I was doing, I was doing a little, you know, a little chest bump to myself in the car. Oh man. <laughs> So, do you have anything you want to um, hit right off the bat here? Do you want to do well, yeah. a little game review? Yeah, 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 I do, I do. So, okay, let's do this, and let's just let's jump right in because, uh, contrary to uh, you know, I saw people putting out you know over unders on the length of the podcast tonight, and um, I hate to disappoint you guys, but I am really on a clock, so uh, we're not going to do the two hour podcast, or at least I'm not. <laughs> Kyle, you're free to keep rambling after i uh need to bail out of here um so let's just jump into it but uh what i wanted to do is you know i don't want to bore people with um you know rehashing a bunch of old stuff but i did just kind of want to hit a couple things and a couple observations i had from the last couple months while i've been out um so uh best win worst loss let's just start there real quick Best win for me, without a doubt, let's start positive, was the Real Monarchs come from behind 2-1 victory uh, back in September. Uh, man, dude, just what an epic ending to that match, right? Yeah, you you go on the road into Salt Lake City praying for a point and, and come away with three, so you gotta love that. Dude, shout out to McCarthy, man. That was that was a heck of a moment, Maybe maybe the moment of the year for me. Um, and then uh, on the negative, the worst loss, my goodness, that RGV match a couple weeks ago, not just because it was a home loss, but was that not like the ugliest USL match you've ever seen? I, I will say that's the worst loss, but not necessarily because of the players. I, I still stick that firmly on the center referee. He completely botched that game and both directions, not just for San Antonio. Um, so yeah, that was, that was brutal to watch, but I don't pin that on the players as much as I do the five, two loss, um, a couple (laughs) games before that. Um, I gotta tell you the RGV match bothered me even more than the five to two. It really did. Like it was, I don't know if it's just the rivalry thing and you just expected a little more. Oh, it was just so painful that match. 
it bothered me because it felt like it was out of everyone's control. Like it didn't matter how good the team was playing or not playing. It, it was going to be botched and was continually botched. Uh, the yeah. Swole Park loss didn't bother me too much because it was the end of a ridiculous road stretch and, you know, those happen. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I'm it was right basically an MLS team that they were playing. So. Yes, that is true. Too. Man, that should be an off-season talking point for us, I think. <laughs> um, whether whether or not teams should be allowed to do that and how much. Okay, we'll save that for later. Um, okay, so uh, just some surprises. How about no true forward starting at Reno, which was a 2 nothing loss, and then they did it again against Vancouver 2, which was a win. Um, so, you know, kind of a mixed bag with that formula. But I guess where I'm going is with all these player changes that we've seen, which I'll talk about in a second, um, there's only three true forwards on this roster currently. And um, we've got 11 combined appearances so far from Seth and Guzman, who are the two new faces at the position. Zero goals. Um, and let me throw this nugget at you, Kyle. So did you know the last goal by a true forward on this team? You want to take a guess when it was? <laughs> um, roughly July 1st against Sacramento? Yeah, that's exactly when it was. <laughs> July 1st against Sacramento. So here's my question to you, Kyle. Is there enough firepower at the forward position to get SAFC to the championship? Um, yes. Um, I, I think watching, so when you're talking about the forwards, you're talking about like Elizondo, Seth and Guzman. Correct. Um, yeah, I think specifically Elizondo and, and Guzman have had a lot of chances that have just not quite hit their mark. And I think at some point that's going to change <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're going to find their touch again. That's not something that's going to last for years and years. Um, so I think they're capable, but I think even bigger than that, um, Chris Tierpak playing as well as he has. And then the addition of Omar Gordon um, and, and Billy Forbes, of course, being Billy Forbes, you have so much wing power <laughs> there and getting Greg Cochran forward. Like it's, it's not all going to come from the middle for sure. Um, and so I think the goals will come. I I'm not sure if they're going to come from the center forwards, but um, I, I think they could. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I just I thought it was, you know, some interesting observations and definitely wanted to, to get your thoughts on that. Um, okay, so let's move on. Uh, so we got these new faces. We talked about Seth Guzman. You mentioned Gordon. We also have Connor Presley. So it's kind of in with the new and out with the old. And we haven't seen Castillo in a while. We know he's got an injury thing. We haven't seen Vega in a long time. One appearance in the last 11 matches. And, uh, and wow, has it really surprise? been 11 matches? Yeah, That's, one. I one it's been a while, but... Yeah, one in the last 11. Pretty crazy. And what's really crazy about that is... I mean, right before that stretch started, um, he had, uh, what was it, two goals and an assist in, um, you know, within the last five or three games, I think, right before that stretch started. So he, he was kind of getting hot, and it was kind of a strange thing to see for a team that's been struggling to create. Um, but but that's kind of the way it is. So, okay, we can touch on that in a second. Um 
but just to kind of to put it all together. So, um, you know, and the other big surprise for me coming in with these new faces is the emergence of Ryan Rochendel, um, getting himself yeah. in the mix and, and he's been playing very well. And so actually I was going to include Ojong with the list of players that have gone away, but as we now know, after the Tulsa match, he comes in for a suspended Newman and gets his first goal since May. And great timing because that was a huge goal that we really needed. Um, so I guess let's just talk about the the new faces versus the old guys that we're not seeing anymore. And let me ask you this one specific thing before you get to Vega is have we seen the last of Rafa Castillo on the field? Man, that's something that people have mentioned on social media um, who have asked about. And I wonder it myself. Like, I, I coming into the season, I kind of said, you know, Rafa's going to play until his legs fall off. You know, as long as he's physically able to play, I think he's going to keep going. Um, but like he said at the beginning of the season, eventually he wants to transition into a coaching role with the academy and stay with SAFC and everything. Um, it's a nose injury that he has right now or, or a face injury. It looks like his nose is wrapped up. Um, and I did see him at training the other day doing some light work, um, like some jogging and, and cardio work and that kind of stuff. Um, so I do think they're prepping him to come back um, for sure. But, um, you know, it, it, how the timing works out and if he makes the 18 and all that, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I hope so. I hope we see him again for sure. But yeah. kind of crazy to think you go all the way back to when that injury happened and you know you, the blood was even more noticeable because they were in their all-white kits. And, right. Um, you just didn't – I didn't expect it to be a thing where we were questioning if we were going to see him again this season. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a surprise for sure. But I, I yeah. think he'll be back next year. Um, I'd be surprised if he hung it up after this year. Um, but I think the goal is probably to get him back this year if possible. Huh? I'm actually taking a different route on that. I actually, I kind of get the feeling that this, this might be his last playing season, but, uh, we'll, we'll save that for the off season show. Yeah, that's true. We don't need to dive deep in here, but just my two second point would be he's been playing at a really high level this year when he has been playing. And so, for it to be a massive decline from this year to next year, that would be a surprise in, in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, even with all that missed time, he's still third on this team in goals. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's been effective. Um, well just real quick, Vega done coming back at some point. What do you, I don't know what's going on with Vega. Um, he was dealing with some injuries. Um, we saw him pop up on the injury report a couple times. Um, but, you know, the the theory that I have here, because, you know, asking around the club, they don't really talk about specific players like that, <laughs> especially, when, you know, there's no way to phrase. So so why isn't this guy getting time? You know, um, this is the Spurs we're talking about still. Um, but just kind of what I'm guessing here after watching the starting 11s for the last couple of weeks is. He's kind of a smaller player, a more attacking-minded player. Um, And, you know, in Dallas, he played, I think he played the wing, right, in Dallas, and then switched 
middle here or vice versa. So it was kind of trying to fit him into a role here and it never really took anywhere specific. And the way that the roster is constructed lately is the attacking power is coming from the wings and from the striker. And so those um, central midfielders uh, have tended to be Pekka, Ryan Rushindle, Michael Reed, these guys who are more defensive-minded so far. So I, I don't know where he fits at this point. You would think his best chance would be as a winger, but with Tierpak and Gordon and Forbes all playing very well uh, and Presley playing really well uh, and able to fill that spot too, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we see Vega again this season on the field. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of thinking we don't. Yeah, it is kind of crazy all these player changes that have happened. But uh, let's let's end my my I, two month. I should uh, in that real quick. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, I should sure. in that real quick with we don't know anything about contracts or who has one year or five year or whatever. Um, but if he's not playing here, I don't expect to see him next year here because part of the reason you leave an MLS club to come to a USL club is because you're actually going to get playtime. So if he's not playing in San Antonio, if he's not going to be fitting into a Darren Powell system, um, I would expect to see him look elsewhere. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I do not expect Vega back, I, I would think, at this point. Um, okay, so one last observation from uh, the two-month catch-up here. And uh, let, let's go, you know, even though we got all these new faces, let's go back to an old familiar one, and that's Billy Forbes. And the one thing I want to say about Billy, well, really, it's two things now, I guess. But um, so he went nine straight games without a goal, um, two more than two calendar months from July 14th to September 17th. And that's just not good enough from your leading goal scorer. And I mean, you can't have nine straight matches where you're not scoring, but let's end it on a good positive the great news for billy forbes and for safc as we have seen is two goals and an assist in these last three matches so hopefully we're seeing the old familiar billy forbes heating up at the right time that's what i think is happening what do you make of billy's big drought and his recent resurgence yeah it definitely feels like he's coming back into his own at this point and I think part of that too was all the shifting that was going on in the midfield. Um, you know, for a while he had Rafa and Cesar and uh, himself. You know, three former Scorpions that were just tearing up the league. And when that changed, it it really threw his game. Um, and like you said, he's heating up at the right time. You gotta love that. But um, you hope for consistency out of what you assume is your big name attacking weapon um uh, obviously cesar and reed and a lot of these guys have a lot of experience but uh billy forbes was kind of the, the one that was billed as that top attacking threat and he wasn't that for a good chunk of the season um thankfully he is coming back he's on a little bit of a streak right now um i think having a couple other capable players come in, uh, Gordon and Presley in particular. Um, I think that may have, you know, provided a little competition and, and that's always good for everybody. Right on, right on. Well, there you go, man. There's my quick little wrap up of, uh, everything I missed. So <laughs> you want to, you want to move on to, to current events? <laughs> 
Yeah, so coming off of a um, big win, a, a six-point weekend basically for San Antonio FC um, with that 2-0 win against Tulsa. Um, were Were you at the game or were you able to watch the game? Did you get no, to catch I, this one? I did watch the game. Yeah, I've, I've been able to see all the games. I have not actually been to a game in a couple months. These were the first games I've ever missed, uh, first home games, uh, but just – it's been tough trying to, to get some time to, to break away. Yeah. It's... Uh, but but we're still tuning in, so that's all that counts, I guess, right? <laughs> Wait, this was this game was in Tulsa. I'm an idiot. I'm oh, thinking yeah, all the way not, back to RGV. Right? Man, I wasn't see, there either. <laughs> this, is, this is what happens when you go away for two months. Like All these games have kind of blended <laughs> together into one big mush mouth. And, uh, yeah, so, look, I've got baby brain, man. Man, uh, apparently but I, I don't do, know too. Your is. <laughs> I've got three-year-old brain. Is that a thing? <laughs> just, just like brain. old times, man. Oh, God, man. So on point. <laughs> <laughs> Mid-season form. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, of course. So, so yeah, this was, uh, this was the, the magnificent baseball field game. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> you know, before anyone gets on us about being elitist or anything like that it's just so frustrating watching soccer games at any level on any field that is a soccer field um you see that all the way in mls and um england's uh world cup qualifier on thursday was played at wembley and you could still see the nfl field lines um (laughs) on the side so and that's that's nothing to say of the NFL team that can't even fill the MLS stadium in L.A. at the moment. Man, I would love I, it kills me. I would love to go see a NFL game at StubHub, even if it's the L.A. Chargers, like just seeing an NFL game in a 20,000 seat stadium. That would be so cool. I don't know why people aren't taking advantage of that other than the fact that Carson is in the middle of nowhere. But uh, anyway, right there with you. I think that would be cool as heck. So the the baseball field that Tulsa plays on, um, it has been a tough place to play for for visiting teams this year. Tulsa was not the dumpster fire that we saw last year. They are a true threat um, anytime that you're up against them, and they're currently um, sitting in seventh place. They haven't clinched a playoff spot yet, but they're well on their way. Um, this was a fun game to watch. I thought this was one of the more evenly matched ones, one of the more um, well-officiated ones for the most part, I thought. It, it felt like I was watching a soccer game. It, it was a nice um, chaser after that horrible drink that was the RGV SA match. Yeah, uh, you said it. And there was just there was that one moment where I thought we were going to dip back into RGV land. Um, I can't even remember what the incident was, but there was some pushing and shoving. Was it Restrepo? Yeah, right at the end of the first half, Restrepo um, ended up with a yellow card in a series of events that, um, you know, there was some pushing and shoving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little worried at that moment. I was like, oh, my goodness, here we go again. Like, this is just going to be like – you know, a, a poor man's UFC fight. I uh, thought we were getting ready to see some Lee Johnston action. There for a minute, but. <laughs> well, thankfully, you're right, Kyle. I mean, this match did very much get on track, and I thought it was a very entertaining match. And uh, two great goals from San Antonio FC. And, you know, I know this was a talking point 
way, way back um, before I took the hiatus. But um, man, have that was a great set piece goal. And that's only like the second or third one of the whole year, right? I want to say it's the second. Like it's, <laughs> it's so rare that this team scores from set pieces. I can look that up here real quick. But yeah, it, it was so good. And it was so good to see them not end it 1-0 either. It was you know these these playoff matches with extra time and you know potentially PKs you can take those matches out with 0-0 and 1-1 and games but it was nice to see them get multiple goals um yeah it it was a fun game i don't know well, I don't... yeah and man on that second goal let's gordon i mean my gosh he could he had his pick of the litter i mean he could have hit any one of like three guys i yeah. think and they all would have scored on that play <laughs> i know he hasn't been a big scoring threat necessarily but omar gordon has been one of my favorite players to watch since he got here um he just embarrasses defenders sometimes with some of those ball skills that he has it's yeah. uh it's pretty interesting I mean, the only thing about Gordon that doesn't excite me is, you know, because it's a loan, I just, I don't know that he's going to be here next season. You know what I mean? So, he I mean, probably won't be if I yeah. had to guess. He, he seems pretty tied to his club in Jamaica, but yeah, exactly right. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like ride the wave and enjoy it, but I'm trying not to get too excited about how good he right. is because like he's just he's not going to be a part of the plans going forward, you know. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Um one little hiccup that we saw was uh, you know, with Stephen McCarthy being suspended for this match, we expected to see either Hedrick and Ibiaga or Rashindel and Ibiaga and uh ended up with Hedrick and Rashindel as the starting center backs in Tulsa. So um, it was nice that the squad was still able to keep a clean sheet with um, three non-usual starters on the back line. Three of the four aren't usually starters back there. So um, the fact that they held it to a clean sheet was was pretty solid. I've been really impressed with Roshendo. I mean, you know, he hasn't really seen a ton of playing time either last year or this year. And that's been one of the biggest surprises to me is to see him all of a sudden be a big part of this rotation. And, uh, man, I think he's, he's been doing great and man, good for him for, for keeping himself, you know, game ready and, and contributing when called upon. I mean, he called games earlier this year. He was a color commentator on the broadcast. So like, (laughs) you know, to go from that to being this really, big contributing factor late in the season, especially being able to be shifted up into the midfield and basically allow them to play three at the back at any point. Um, you know, that's it, versatility that is going to really pay off here as we go into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely happy for him. I mean, anytime you see those guys that struggle to get big time, uh, you know, PT out there and then, you know, something clicks like this, it's, it's really cool to see that for the players and uh, let me just – this is my last thing I got on this game, Kyle, unless you've got more. But, um, man, what is going on with Pekka? Like, all of a sudden, he is a card machine. He had one card from the beginning of the season all the way up until, uh, like, mid-August. And all of a sudden, in his last four matches, which has been the last six matches, he had two did-not-plays, 
Um, but in the last four that he's played, he's gotten a yellow card in each match. Like, what is the deal? Yeah, he has joined Marco Jong as being the two SAFC players on accumulation warning um, for these last three matches that they have of the regular season. And yeah, I, I don't know what to attribute that to. If it's USL officiating changing as the season one goes on, um, or if it's you know just the physicality of being late in the season and um, you know taking those different shots that you had not shots but different opportunities that um you may have done differently earlier in the year but yeah he's he's primed to miss one of the last three games if if he pulls another yellow in uh one of the in this next match against tampa crazy um actually i'm a i'm a big fat liar Kyle. i do have one more thing we should mention uh, this is pretty cool um, so how about Restrepo? Just one clean sheet away from the USL record set by Brandon Miller um, from the Rhinos, uh, Rochester Rhinos back in 2015. So he's got a legit shot to not only get that record, but break it and be the new holder of that record. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, um, he's last I checked, he was in second for um, the Golden Glove race. Yeah, uh, I think and it was like by point one or something like that. Yeah, it's a tight um, race. It's crazy that you know we have someone who stepped in for Matt Cardoni earlier in the year and has proven that you know not only is he a starting goalkeeper for USL, he could potentially you know get that call up to MLS and find some time up there, depending on what that league's needs are, but. Um, yeah, just just absolutely killer, and you can't oversell how important the goalkeeping has been for this whole season with a team that doesn't put up five or ten goals every night. I mean, I know there's going to be calls for um, you know Ibiaga, and rightly so, but if you're asking me, I think the signing of this offseason was Restrepo. I mean, he really wasn't signed to be the guy. And he has turned into the guy. So, I mean, just unbelievable. What a story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we should mention, uh, I don't think we did, that this was the first game of Ben Noonan's three-match ban for quote-unquote violent conduct um, back in the RGV game. Um, and, you know, I saw a lot of debate about whether he kicked the head or not, and I, I think he caught his head, but really it doesn't matter. I mean, that was pure intent, and that was ugly, man. I don't know what he was thinking at that moment. See, and I don't know that it was intent because he, the where he was positioned, I don't think he could see the RGB player. I think he just kicked out out of frustration because he got tack, like football tackled from behind um, right yeah. before that. And so... I don't. I really don't think he would intentionally kick someone in the head after chatting with him at practices over the last year, almost. And yeah, you know, he's not. He doesn't seem like the type of player that would do that intentionally. But I do think it was the right call because whether he meant to hit him in the head or meant to hit him or not, he did kick out, and you know, he may have made contact. So I think it was yeah. the right call to give the red and the suspension. But. I don't know that he was, you know, going out for blood or anything like that. And you said it exactly right. I mean, that's what made it worse is like he was NFL tackled on that play. I mean, he was going to get that call 
and um, you know, just didn't have to happen. It, it's a bummer, but yeah. and no repercussions on on the RGV side of things <laughs> right. for that literal uh, ugliest USL match ever. That was that was something. <laughs> I'm still like I'm getting frustrated just thinking about it. Like I'm pissed <laughs> that I spent an hour and a half of my life watching that. I actually, we should, we should mention this to the listeners. I actually texted you after that match and I gloated a little bit and I said, I'm really glad I don't have to do a podcast about that match (laughs) because it would not be good. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was brutal. And then I was sick last week, so I got out of it anyway, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, All right, man. Well, I got, I got a little bit of time here, like 10, 15 minutes. So what, where do you want to go? What do you want to talk about? There's a trillion things we could do, questions or different topics. Up to you, man. Well, one of the things that I keep getting asked on the Pitch Black account and kind of talked about it a little bit over the past couple of weeks is now that the playoff picture is starting to get more set we know five of the eight teams for sure and we'll have a good guess out of the three of the four um, that are really in contention for it here so in the first round who do you want to see Um, you know should San Antonio FC be gunning for first place or is it more tactical to kind of shoot for a third or fourth seed and try and get uh, a Sacramento team that's struggling or um, you know, Tulsa that they just beat, that that kind of thing. Well, I think – I don't think you try to put yourself in a specific seed for a specific opponent. I think you just try to finish out your season as best as you possibly can. And so going into this last stretch of games this weekend, you know, San Antonio still is alive for the top seed. So until that is off the table, I think that's the goal. Um you know, basically the Monarchs have to lose out and San Antonio has to win out for that to happen, but it's still possible. Um, so, you know, that's your first goal. And I think your second goal is to be second, which you have a very good shot at doing because you have a game in hand on both Reno and Swope who are tied with you on points right now. Um, so I don't think you really try to pigeon yourself against a certain opponent. But I, I think when all the dust settles, those are probably the two teams you want that you just mentioned, um, Sacramento and Tulsa. And, you know, not only because um, it's a pretty decent matchup for San Antonio FC, but as you mentioned, both of them are struggling right now. I mean, both of them have three losses in their last five. So, you know, they're trending down. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think the one team you want to avoid at all costs right now is actually Phoenix Rising. Um, They are really, really hot, and they are surging, and they're right on the heels of San Antonio FC. So hopefully uh, we can put some more points in the bag and clinch this home field, at least for round one. So going a little lightning round here, jumping around topics a bit, but I want to get your opinion on the fact that San Antonio was removed from the list of potential World Cup host cities um, with Dallas and Houston remaining. How do you feel about that as a San Antonio resident, and what do you think that means going forward? Well, I I mean, obviously I'm disappointed. Um, I mean, in my heart of hearts, did I think San Antonio was going to end up Uh, With a World Cup game, I mean, I probably wouldn't have bet on it. Um, I think what's the most disappointing about it is how early San Antonio was cut. Um, 
I look at some of the cities that are still left out there and, and I feel like, you know, San Antonio has more to offer, but you know, that being said, I don't know what their full criteria is. You know, I'm, I'm certain it's more than just, you know, the, the venue that you're playing at. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things to that go into that consideration and I don't know what they are. Um, but sure, man, it's, I mean, it's really disappointing and, you know, especially cause the dome was just renovated. I mean, we're about to have the final four here in the spring, which will be an awesome showcase for the city. Um, you know, I, I, I had some hopes that we could at least get further than we did. So jumping around, I got two more topics for you here with just a couple minutes left. Um, MLS bid, how are you feeling about it? You know, we saw this stuff about Nashville and Sacramento and, um, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but how are you feeling about San Antonio? I mean, I don't feel good. Um, I mean, you just look at the reality of the situation. I mean, so what we're into October now. So basically it's been, you know, nine months since the bid went in. Basically we know as much as we did, on the day the bid went in, um, which is to say we don't know anything more. (laughs) Um, You know, we've seen some chatter about maybe these first two teams get pushed back. Until that happens, I'm just going to assume that they're going to get picked in December. So with that being the case, we're two months away from these first two teams being announced. And basically, as the public of San Antonio, we don't know anything. So I think it would be a miracle upon miracles if we were one of those first two teams. And so if you're not one of those first two teams, that means you got to go, you know, up against 10 markets for these final two spots. And I just look around the landscape of everything that's going on in these other markets. And there's, there's so much happening and you look at San Antonio and there's just nothing going on. And I mean, that doesn't mean that there's nothing going on, but as far as we can see, there's nothing going on. So it's, it's hard to be optimistic of our chances right now. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely frustrating from the outside looking in and, um, I, I don't know, man, I'm pretty pessimistic about the whole thing, to be honest with you, especially for the first two bids. Um, not for, I, I think the point where you and I differ is that I don't think that there's anything that any city in the country can do to convince MLS to come there or not come there other than, you know, their stadium financing and, and the financials of it all because, and I'll rant on this at another time, but it's not a merit-based award system, these these expansion bids. It doesn't matter if you have the best bid. It doesn't matter if you have the best fan base. The only thing that matters is that MLS wants to be there and that it's going to make them money. Um, so yeah, as far as yeah, the Spurs right. like generating PR hype or anything else, I don't think any of that matters. And I know that's really hard Um for a lot of fans to agree with. (laughs) I get it. Um, But I really don't think MLS gives a crap about anything other than the money and if it's a city they want to be in. And I'm not sure San Antonio is a city they want to be in. Yeah, and the longer this goes, the less sure I am that this is a city they want to be in. And uh, yeah, I mean, all of that is correct, Kyle. I I guess the biggest thing for me is, you know, if 
if we were out in the open and doing everything that we could do, which to me is, you know, what's the stadium plan? How are we going to fund it? Let's have a vote and get the funding and let's do every single thing that we could possibly do to show MLS that this is something that we want and that we can do and that, you know, we're craving like, you know, with everything that we have. And when there's no action, um, you know, it's, it just goes back to like, well, what the heck, man? Like what happened? Like who was right? Who was wrong? Who did enough? Who didn't do enough? You know what I mean? Like, and I, I, I know I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you're Sacramento, I know I've done everything I could possibly do to get an MLS team. So if MLS doesn't go to Sacramento, it's not because Sacramento didn't have everything in place. It's strictly because MLS didn't want to go there. San Antonio can't really make that statement because we have no idea what our stadium plan is or how we would pay for it. Like it hasn't even gone that far. And I think what's particularly disturbing is, um, you know, the mayor has been pretty confident since he came into office in June. And I don't know if you caught the San Antonio business journal article uh, a week or two ago, but you know, it, it was an interview with him and they talked about the fact that they basically can't get a meeting with MLS and, you know, that's not to say that SS&E can't get a meeting with MLS. You know, these are two separate things, city leaders and the team. But it doesn't look good when our mayor, who's been very out in the open about wanting MLS, can't get a meeting with the league officials. That's a very bad sign to me. I'm still pulling for a hockey team, going to be honest with you. <laughs> well, <laughs> NHL look, to man, SA. I, I'm desperate. I will take anything at this point. You know, let's go get the Chargers. <laughs> I, if they're not working out in L.A. Yeah, they're not going back to San Diego. I mean, let's do something. My goodness, man. I know MLS isn't perfect, but after the last few games, the Tulsa game excluded, after, you know, officiating errors and players – playing dirty opposing players being dirty and like it's just really hard to get excited about usl when it's not being run like a league that is a competitive league like when you have mls sides dropping down and playing for their two sides and you know it, it can be really hard to get excited about usl um that well, being said here's, here's... i am still excited about it and i am still enjoying yeah. the league overall but man it, it gets tough sometimes. Well, I think I think what makes our position a little unique is the fact that we just have the Spurs. Um, you know, I look at Cincinnati and I, I think I've said this before, so I hate being a bit of a broken record, but like they've got the Reds, they've got the Bengals. It's a lot easier for them to be quote unquote happy with being in USL. Because they have these other, you know, big sporting things going on. Like here, we've got the Spurs and we've got eight minor league sports. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's a lot harder to, quote unquote, get excited about USL here specifically in San Antonio because we're such a big city. We have so much going for us. And if you're a sports fan in this city, like – half the time your heart's in Houston or your heart's in Dallas or you're a Longhorn fan in Austin or whatever the heck it is that you're into. But it's not in San Antonio and it's not because we don't want to be. It's because we don't have anything. And so that's where I think it's a little more of a unique case for San Antonio specifically where 
staying in USL is a tougher pill to swallow. Well, I agree with you fully. One last question before I let you go. Quick one. Um, Royce writes in, I just became a dad for the first time. So my question to Aaron is what is the best moment you've had and the best lesson slash tip you have to share? Um, oh, first off, man. congrats Royce on, on becoming a dad. Um, yes. but Aaron, yes, congrats. how's it been going, man? That's awesome. Well, look, man, this is, uh, this has been a, it, this is a learn on the job job. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fantastic. It's, it's absolutely life changing. It's, it's all those cliches that, everybody ever says to you, I mean, you're a dad, so you know, um, man, what a joy it is to, uh, to bring a life into this world. And, uh, you know, just to, to, to start being a parent and be, you know, totally responsible for the life of another human being. It's like, it's the coolest thing ever. Um, man, as far as advice goes, like, I I don't really know that I'm qualified to give advice. (laughs) I'm like real new on this job. Um, but I think the best thing that I can say is just, uh, be helpful to, you know, whether it's your wife, your partner, your spouse, whatever, um, your, your situation is out there in the world. Um, just be as helpful as you can be. And if you're a single parent, um, oh my gosh, there's a special place in heaven for you. I don't know how you people do it. Seriously. <laughs> um, but no, man, it's it's fantastic. And uh, it's it's everything you could ever hope for. And, and so, yeah, congratulations, man. That's great news. Well, Aaron, <clears throat> I'm glad we finally got to do this again. I cannot believe our time flew by so fast. Um, I know. And I'm really sorry about that, guys. And uh Honestly, you know, I'm hoping by the time we get to the playoffs here in a few weeks, we'll be we'll be full go like we normally are. So just hang in there. Bear with me another few weeks. Um, but hey, Kyle, I got one more thing before we get out of here. I think this is going to be really fun. Oh, yes. I think I know what you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's well, do so, it. OK, I guess I should say, like, let's have a somber moment. This has been a pretty tough week uh, here in in the, in the country, I mean, with Las Vegas and, and that horrible situation. And then uh, if you're like me, um, a big music fan, we had another really tough loss uh, with Tom Petty. Um, so, you know, our hearts and, and our thoughts are with all those people that are affected, all those families out there. Um, just horrible, horrible stuff. And, you know, man, I just... I just keep saying, you know, be be the change you want to see in the world, you know, just be kind to people. I think that's the best thing we can all do out there. Um, but uh, anyway, anyway, I don't want to go off on a on a big tangent about that stuff. But uh, I am a huge music fan. I'm a huge Tom Petty fan. And um, so I thought the, the best thing we could do is let's have a pitch black news poll that ties in Tom Petty into into basically what we just talked about with the, with MLS and SA. So here here's the poll question that we're gonna put this out on MLS and SA's uh, social, by the way. Um, so this is where to look for it. We're gonna do name the current state of MLS and SA using a Tom Petty song. What do you think about this, Kyle? I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> so here, are you ready for the choices? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so here, once again, name the state, the current state of MLS and SA using a Tom Petty song. Here are your choices. Free Falling, Running Down a Dream, I Need to Know, <laughs> or It'll All Work Out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 
So we'll throw that up for for a full 24 hours, and you guys can chime in, and and we'll see where the people land on that. There you go. So again, you can find that at MLSNSA on Twitter, um, and we'll we'll review that next week. <laughs> All right, man. Well, are you going to keep going, or is this the end of the show? This is our first break of 12. I have so many rants. <laughs> um, no, we, we are going to take a little break while I get things set up to go solo for just a few minutes to hit the rest of the Twitter topics and look ahead to good old NASL rivalry match. Um, oh, yeah. Right on, man. Uh, well, I will. Uh, I'll leave you to it. Great to be back. And uh, we'll, we'll do this again next week, y'all. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Aaron. OK, later, guys. And we are back. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. It was so good having Aaron back for a little bit. It was um, a little bit of old times there, and hopefully we'll be able to continue doing that for the rest of the season. Um, but for the rest of the episode, going to fly solo. Before we do that, though, I would like to specifically thank our Patreon patrons for contributing to the website and the podcast to help um, keep us from having to spend a ton of money on everything. Um, if you missed it on Thursday, Patreon patrons, you do have access to post-training interviews with Connor Presley and with head coach Darren Powell. Um, those are available at patreon.com slash pitchblacknews. Um, if you'd like to listen to those, those are a patron exclusive for now. Um, they will be released um, to the public on this podcast feed um, probably Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, I would guess, uh, leading up to the Tampa game. Um, but thank you again so much. If you're interested in doing that, patreon.com slash pitchblacknews, uh, or just reach out to us on social media. We'll be able to help you find your way. Um, but speaking of Tampa, that is the next match. It's one that when the schedule was released, it was one that I was really excited to see, especially so late in the season. Um, good old NASL rivals. If you are new to professional soccer in San Antonio, um, the previous club that we had, San Antonio Scorpions in the NASL, um, had a friendly little rivalry with the Tampa Bay Rowdies, also formerly of the NASL. Um, fun fact delivered straight from Aaron Marvel. Um, this is the return of the first team to play at Toyota Field. Um, Tampa was the first team to play at Toyota Field against the San Antonio Scorpions. Um, unfortunately, that was a 2-0 Scorpions loss. So hopefully we'll see a different result um, against San Antonio FC in their first meeting all time of these two clubs. But uh Pretty exciting stuff to, to have those guys back. I know there's a really good following in Tampa, a lot of really good writers, a lot of really good podcasters, um, and of course the Tampa Bay Meowdies, um, which is, as far as I know, the only feline supporters group of any USL squad. So, you know, we're all for inclusion and diversity here, so good for them. Um, no, <laughs> fun group. Um, you know, I, I really like the Tampa guys for the rest of the year outside of the 90 minutes that the two teams are playing. So take a look at those guys on social media. I'm sure we'll be retweeting a lot of their stuff as um, the the match approaches here. But I won't dig too deep into Tampa um, because we'll 
we'll plan to do a pregame show at Toyota Field, but um, one important stat is that Tampa is significantly better in Tampa than they are on the road. Um, their home record is 11-1-4, whereas they are 2-6-6 six, and six away. So not as solid on the road. And on top of that, the last few matches, they have not been able to hold a clean sheet nearly as effectively as they did earlier on in the season. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. San Antonio has a real chance Despite the fact that Tampa is the number two team in the East right now, San Antonio has a chance to possibly, you know, move up into that second or third slot this week, uh, depending how everything else shakes out. Um, so it's exciting. One of the important things to note, and we'll go over the USL standings here. Um, one of the important things to note is the tiebreaker, because at this point, especially in the West, you're getting a lot of teams that are all ending up with the same point totals or, or near the same point totals. <clears throat> so the first tiebreaker in USL playoff standings is wins. Um, so if San Antonio wants to stay on pace with the other teams that they're tied with right now, they need to get that 16th win. Um, a draw is not going to do them any favors. But we'll get back to that in a second. First, in the East, Louisville tops the East with 56 points. Tampa Bay right below them with 49. Charleston and Charlotte both have 48, followed by Rochester in fifth with 44. Cincinnati with 43 and six. Orlando with 42. And rounding out the current playoff roster is New York Red Bulls, two with 41 points. Um, however, Bethlehem Steel and Harrisburg are right on. Actually, Harrisburg has played 31, so they, I don't think, are going to be able to make it back up. But um, Bethlehem and New York are uh, definitely still in contention there um, with each other. Orlando, Cincinnati's really not safe. The East is uh, pretty tight. And there's some really good articles covering all of that at indomitablecitysoccer.com. Um, we have writers that handle, um, the playoff picture and the power rankings and everything else. So if you want a more in-depth look, head to indomitablecitysoccer.com and that will be your best bet for that. Um, on the West side, Real Monarch Salt Lake City still holding on to first with 63 points, followed by three teams, including San Antonio FC, who have 55 points, um, in order right now. That's Reno, Swope and San Antonio in fourth. Um, however, San Antonio does have a game in hand. That being said, like I just talked about, that tiebreaker is wins followed by goal differential. So we really need to see San Antonio get some wins here in their last three matches. Shouldn't be a problem with Portland. RGV and Tampa could give them more of an issue, but you know, really, if you want to have a shot at getting second or third, I think you have to win two of these three if you're San Antonio. Um, <laughs> above them, that that lost dose game that I keep coming back to where Reno beat up on him 9-0 keeps coming back into the picture. Um, Reno would still be leading Swope Park and San Antonio FC on the second tiebreaker, which is goal differential. Um, but because of that 9-0 victory, they are at 33 whereas uh, Swope Park and San Antonio are at 20 and 18 goal differential, respectively. So, um, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's going to have to overtake Reno in points 
and or in wins. I guess it has to be wins at this point. But um, yeah, it, it's a frustrating situation again for USL to not be as competitive as it could be. Uh, rounding out those playoff spots, Phoenix Rising has clinched a playoff spot after that officiating blunder that gave them three points against uh, Seattle. Um, so they will be in the top five. The remaining three spots are still technically up for grabs. Right now it's Sacramento, Tulsa, and OKC rounding out the top eight. But if Orange County wins out and those other teams don't, they are going to be in the playoff picture. So um, everything is not done quite yet. Uh, it's really coming down to the wire with these last two or three games for a lot of these teams. Um, which is exciting. That's that's what you want leading up to the playoffs, right, is a little drama. So like I said, we're planning on doing a pregame show um, live from Toyota Field on Saturday before that Tampa match, so I'm not going to dive too deep into that, but keep an eye out for our preview piece on Saturday morning before the game, and then keep an eye out for us on Periscope for our preview show that we do um, before every home game. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But for now, we'll go straight to Twitter, get some of your Twitter topics, questions, all that good stuff in before we call it a night. Um, so we talked about it with Aaron Marvel when he was on, but our friend Aaron Reet writes in, how effed are we in our MLS bid? And you kind of heard Aaron and I are both pretty pessimistic about San Antonio getting one of the first two spots for sure. Um Different reasonings, though. Aaron feels like there's more stuff that I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I get the impression that um, it feels like there's more stuff that the club could have done and the community could have done and everything else, um, whereas I think it's all kind of predetermined and MLS is going to pick who they're going to pick. Um, I really think they want Austin as much as I hate to say it. Um, we all know San Antonio is the better place um, as far as cost of living and livability and you know they have San Antonio has a lot of really solid restaurant options and nightlight options and it's really coming into its own as a millennial city I, I had some of the best food of my life over the last couple of days in San Antonio and I don't think that perception has reached a national level yet whereas Austin, whether or not you know its best days are behind it or it's still the place to be, I'm not going to have that debate. But what I will say is that nationally it has a reputation as being a cool city and a young city and you know ACL and South By and all this other stuff that's going on. Um, it, it has a reputation nationally as you know a very Portland-esque, Seattle-esque type city. Um, which we know how attractive that is for MLS because those kinds of markets have absolutely thrived. Now, that being said, like we've said a million times, getting a stadium deal done, getting an actual MLS team there will probably be more difficult than getting one in Miami. Um, but when it comes down to it, I, I can't fault the club for any sort of MLS bid failure if you know that ends up with what we get because MLS is not, it's not a merit-based award system. You know, this, this, I know they said that they have their list of things that they want, <clears throat> but 
and excuse me, I am still getting over a little bit of a cold here, but um, they said they have this list, but it's not the kind of company that is going to stick to its word. Um, just tonight, we saw that instead of forcing Dallas to forfeit a match that they played illegally, they're going to fine them instead, which is really just about as MLS as it gets at this point. Um, I want top-tier soccer in San Antonio. I want the best possible variation of the game that we can get. Um, I love watching San Antonio FC when the officiating doesn't ruin it. And I think USL is a quality league with quality players. Um, But given the choice, obviously you're always going to want the top tier if you can have it. Um, That being said, just because it's the top tier doesn't mean it's good. And MLS is still a pretty crap product um, compared to some of the other leagues around the world. Um, it's, It's frustrating. And... You know, we'll take what we can get, but, um, man, I'm really pretty pessimistic about the whole thing at this point. Um, At no fault of of the club or the government or anything like that. It's just MLS being MLS. Uh, Moving on. Um, Harry asks, not sure you want to touch on this, maybe better for end-of-year wrap-up, but your view of SAFC relationship with supporters groups and fans. Uh, to me, not as rosy as last year, not as fan-friendly, not seeing as much advertising, not as much MLS talk. Um, so every San Antonio FC game that I've been to, except for one, I have been um, in the press box. Uh, I've been covering it um, as work and you know enjoying it. And you know, I am a fan of the team, even though I try to analyze it objectively. Um, so I can't really speak to the view of the relationship and I'm not a member of a supporters group, so I can't speak to the relationship with SGs and fans necessarily. Um, I know there's some issues with, um, the gardeners and, you know, I, I applaud, um, 210 Alliance and Mission City for, and Crocketeers, of course, but just speaking of the, the ones who stand together, um, I applaud the supporters groups for trying to grow it and, and trying to um, build that passionate grassroots fan base that all these clubs want. Um, but all of those sections definitely seem a little more empty than they used to be. And obviously part of that is this mid-season lull and everything else, but you can't I, I don't think that you can really blame the club for that. Obviously, I could be wrong. I've never ran a supporters group, but um, it's one of those things where if you want to be Portland, if you want to be Cincinnati for for all intents and purposes, you have to fill your supporters groups, and you have to not freaking kill each other every time that you get together. Um I I don't know who's right or who's wrong or even what the fight is, really, but I know that the supporters groups don't get along. And as someone who's not a part of any of them, I feel like I can say that objectively um, and factually. It it does not seem like the supporters supporters groups get along. Um, And that's not good for the club. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the plan is long term. I don't know if the club should intervene because... Everybody hates club-run supporters groups, right? Um, we all give RGV crap for that, and we have uh, talked crap about you know NYCFC's uh, club-run supporter group that they have and, and 
all across the country we see that, but is that what it's going to take to actually have a legitimate size supporter section? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. I'm not offering any sort of help here, so um, I'm sure that's probably not super fun to hear, but just as an outsider looking in, um, you know, there's there's a lot of empty seats in the stadium, so we can sit here and bitch and moan about the club not doing their part for the MLS bid, quote-unquote, but we're not selling out Toyota Field. Our supporter sections are not full, and if I'm understanding it correctly, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, at Pitch Black News or at Kyle underscore Mankey on Twitter, it seems like the, the um, gardeners are no longer participating, which is a huge loss. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know what the long-term play is there. Um, so from the outside looking in, it seems like the relationship with SAFC may have soured or the supporters groups are cannibalizing each other or, or something. I, I don't know what's going on. But from the outside, you notice that something is going on. And that's not good for not only the MLS bid, but just the general environment. If we're going to be in USL long term, you want it to kick ass. And it's not going to do that with empty sections. Um, so, man, didn't really mean to go all into that. But um, again, I'm not pulling for one supporter group or the other or, or anything. I really don't know the whole story. Um, just from sitting in the press box, you can see there are sections that are not as full as they were, and you can see on social media that one of these sports groups doesn't exist anymore, apparently. Um, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong on that. I will happily correct myself on social media and on the next episode of the podcast. Whew. Um, Josh writes in, we want sellout crowds. Could a team called Texas instead of Austin or San Antonio help drive soccer interest in central slash South Texas? Um, I think that's a really good thought. It, it is an interesting idea. Um, you see the Texas Rangers uh, and you know the Houston Texans. I know they have Houston before it, but they kind of tried to go for the statewide with their mascot. Um, and I, you see at the AHL level, isn't Cedar Park's team the Texas Stars, if I'm not mistaken? So I see where you're going with that, but I think with soccer... It's so much more of a local, urban environment. Um, you're not really trying to grab fans from, um, you know, past Bernie and, you know, down in Corpus or anything like that. You're really trying to grab hold of your San Antonio crowd. So I think it helps to call it San Antonio. There's also going to be an Austin team in 2019. Um playing at Circuit of the Americas, so I could see some confusion there if one of them goes with Texas. You're not really sure where this opponent is, and you know, if someone hears Austin, oh, that's a road trip I can make. If someone hears Texas, it's like, oh man, I don't want to drive all the way to Dallas, or you know, whatever. So I, I see where you're going with it. It's a unique idea, but um, I think you're better off going with the city name for the most part. I don't know that City Name FC or City Name United and all those boring um, European-style names are the way to go, but, you know, that's what we keep going with, so we'll stick with it, I guess. Um, Ricardo writes in, Will Pitch Black endorse a throwback match and encourage fans to wear Scorpions gear to the Rowdies match? Um, 
I encourage the rekindling of the rivalry, <laughs> but I don't know that I need to encourage too many people to wear Scorpions gear. I feel like I see Scorpions gear every match still. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I think we should support the team that we have, personally. Um, I think I would wear my San Antonio FC gear if I had it, especially to avoid you know any confusion with people who still think almost two years in that San Antonio FC is just the same team as San Antonio Scorpions. So um, I'm probably not going to encourage that, but I think we will see some Scorpions kits at the match because we always do. Um, I think I saw an LA Galaxy one at the last match against RGV. And, you know, it's cool, man. I, I love when people just wear whatever soccer shirt that they have, it's fun. Like what other sporting event can you do that and not feel out of place? Like, um, I, I used to make it a point for some reason when I was a kid to wear my Michael Jordan Jersey to our Oakland athletics baseball games every time we went, uh, or a lot of the times that we went, um, I was a kid, but you know, whatever soccer is fun. Wear whatever shirt you got. Um, what new menu items should Toyota Field add for the playoffs? Man, I would love to see some of those big, gimmicky-sized, ridiculous food that they get at some of the MLB stadiums. But more than anything, I'd like to see the price points at the same as Atlanta United and the Atlanta Falcons in their new stadium. Um, if you haven't seen it, check it out on the internet. You can get like practically everything on their regular concessions menu, like everything on the menu for like 20 bucks, um, which is pretty insane. And to be fair, Toyota Field prices are pretty fair for the most part from what I've seen. Um, I, <laughs> I lost a little bit of weight this past year and I've been trying not to gain it back. So I can't say that I've gotten much of anything from Toyota Field. Um, but, you know, I, I would love to see the like, three foot long hot dogs and you know the three pound burgers and all that crazy stuff um but you know we'll see um with the likelihood san antonio uh thomas writes in with the likelihood of san antonio not getting mls do you think fan support will go down also will supporters groups lose steam yeah this kind of ties into what i was talking about earlier with harry's comment um i don't know that fan support will go down because the positive side of the coin of San Antonio FC not really promoting this as, hey, we're going to MLS, is that people have been showing up for USL games. So where if you're building it as this is going to be an MLS team, if that doesn't happen, you're immediately losing fans. One of the things San Antonio FC has done well is while they've talked about their intentions for MLS, they haven't built their entire club around it. And so I... I'm sure we'll lose some fan support, especially when it's not as new and shiny. Um, uh, I would expect an average attendance, though, of still probably in the 6,000s, 7,000s. Um, I think people are going to show up for this team because it's professional soccer and because it's good professional soccer and the Spurs and, and all the reasons that they show up now. So I can't imagine fan support dropping too terribly much. Um, I don't think we're going to dip into you know the 5,000 average or anything like that. Uh, so I still think it'll be a fun environment to go to, even if we don't get MLS. 
Um, as far as supporters groups, I'm not qualified to answer that really, as I'm not part of a supporters group, like I said earlier. Um, I don't know what the intentions are with those guys. It feels like all of the supporters groups are there to support the club, whether it is, um, you know, a USL club or an MLS club. A lot of them were around back in the NASL days too. So I don't, I don't know if not getting MLS will make supporters groups lose steam, but I think if there's any infighting and, and crap going on that makes it not fun, makes it dramatic and takes away from the soccer aspect of it, I think that's more likely to kill supporters groups than anything. And that's where we're going to see San Antonio FC create a club run pep rally group. And nobody wants that. Everybody wants it to be organic, but, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, all, all four of the supporters groups have had presence on this podcast at, at points this year. Um, with the Crocketeers, Mission City, uh, 210 Alliance, and the uh, Gardeners. So I really hope that, you know, everybody can get along and, and make Toyota Field a fortress and keep Toyota Field a fortress because players have specifically talked about how much of an advantage that is for them and how difficult it is to play here when both sides of the stadium feel like they are in a thunderous uproar. So I I don't know. I don't know what to do there. But either way, we won't know officially about MLS until December unless they jump ahead on their schedule, which it doesn't sound like they will. Um, That being said, I'm pretty pessimistic about the chances of San Antonio getting in in one of these first two slots, and we'll see what happens after that. Um, I still contend that every city that can feel the team will eventually get in because MLS likes money. Um, but nobody wants to wait a decade for top tier soccer. So we'll see. But in the short term, we have a team in San Antonio who is gearing up for a playoff run, who has two home matches against um, really two rivalry matches almost back-to-back, just separated by that Portland match midweek next week. Um, So it's going to be a fun end to the season here. I'm excited for it. I hope you're excited for it. And I appreciate you hanging out with us and coming along for the ride. So I'm going to call it there, and we will see you on Saturday. Um, Feel free to reach out to us anytime on social media. Aaron, you can find at MLSNSA. Um, you can find me at Pitch Black News or my personal account at Kyle underscore Mankey. Um, we'll be doing some fun stuff. So until Saturday, we will catch you later.